Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Coffee Trading Academy podcast. We are excited to share with you our latest discussion where Igor and I discuss what the heck is going on in coffee. And there is a lot going on right now. Today is a historic day in the coffee market because it is the last day that recertifications are possible. And not only that, but we are seeing new coffees being submitted for grading. In this episode, we discuss the three types of inventory that are relevant for us to understand in the coffee market, what our expectations are for these inventories, and what it means for coffee prices. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I present to you, what the heck is going on in coffee? All right, so we are back to our podcast here, and we are now in a weird spot in the market where we have uh, high futures prices, low stocks, but we don't think that's necessarily bullish, do we, Ryan? So what the heck is going on in coffee, Ryan? Hey, Igor. Yeah, uh, another episode of what the heck is going on in coffee. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> so uh, as you pointed out, stocks are low and normally this is bullish, right? Um, but uh, that, as you rightly said, is is not really our whole view here. Um, so when we talk about stocks, we can divide coffee stocks globally into three distinct categories, right? So we've got certified inventory, which is what we're looking at right here. Uh, this is one of the most visible types of inventory in the market. Um, and this is super low. It is at, you know, 20 plus year lows or below 300,000 bags. Uh, typically, uh, Arabica certified inventory is, you know, around a million bags. It got up to 2 million a couple of years ago. Um, so this is really very, very low. Um, and normally uh, low stocks is bullish and high stocks is bearish. So that's the, the normal environment. Um, and, and that's what's going on with certified inventory. Now, in addition to certified inventory, we also have destination inventory. So these are coffees that are in Europe or in the US or some importing country that are not necessarily certified. It includes certified inventory, but um, but also non-certified inventory. Uh, and then we also have origin stocks. And origin stocks are not certified, and they are in all of the countries that produce coffee. So Brazil, especially, but you know Vietnam, uh, Indonesia, Colombia, all of these countries that produce coffee, uh, they have their origin stocks. Now. The this distinction is important because the certified inventory and the destination inventory is very visible, right? So at least in Europe and in Japan, uh, we can see how much coffee is actually there. They report uh, on a monthly basis how much coffee is available. Uh, the certified inventory we can actually see on a daily basis how much coffee is available, but the origin coffee, the stocks that are in the countries that actually grow the coffee. Uh, is invisible. We don't have reliable statistics on uh, what uh, the coffee inventory levels are that are publicly available. So that's the, the main distinction between the different types uh, of inventory. Now, as you pointed out here, certified stocks are low. And normally that is bullish. But the reason why we are actually more bearish uh, based on the certified inventory is because of the pending stocks, right? So essentially, we believe, uh, and we're seeing this now, that there will be an increase in certified coffee. So we're starting from a low point, and we think that that's going to increase. And the way that we see that increase 
is through the pending stocks. So when coffee is certified, the process uh, happens by the owner of the coffee submitting uh, to the exchange a request to have their coffee be certified. When that request is received by the exchange, they report that coffee as pending, right? So it's pending certification or pending grading. Once it's graded, then it become and passes grading, then it becomes certified and it shows up in our certified inventory. So uh, right now, what we're expecting is that uh, we will see this uh, certified inventory and the pending volume increase. That's true. And adding to that, we also have uh, the deadline for resubmission of, of coffees that have been previously on the exchange. Uh, and this deadline is due tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's I mean, that's one reason why we're expecting the stocks to increase exactly is this uh, this recertification process. So this is kind of a controversial sort of rule here because um, when we get new certified coffees, um, typically it is understood that these are new coffees that have just been grown and harvested, and then they are submitted to the exchange for certification. Now, recently, uh, over the last couple of years, there's been this talk about this phenomenon of research. So uh, when we decertify coffee from the exchange, the owner of that coffee, the person who has decertified it, or the company that has decertified it, can then try to resubmit it back to the exchange uh, to certify it again. So this is what we call a recert. Now, the reason why they might do that is essentially to avoid an aging penalty. Uh, the exchange tries to add uh, or, or does add uh, aging penalties to the certified coffees uh, to so that we don't get old coffees on the exchange sitting around for a long time. So it encourages people to consume that coffee. Now, if you pull your coffee off the exchange and decertify it and then resubmit it, then it would reset the aging penalty. Now, this hadn't been explicitly forbidden before, so it had it had been going on or thought to be going on. Uh, but the exchange, uh, this kind of defeats the point of having aging penalties. So the exchange is now explicitly making this forbidden. And the deadline is November 30th. So that's tomorrow, as you pointed out. So by tomorrow, this practice will no longer be permitted. Now, our, our view, Igor, here was that we would probably see some new research, right, before this deadline showed up. Because now, by virtue of the fact that they're making it forbidden after November 30th, that essentially makes it permissible, permiss permitted uh, before November 30th. So if any trader or business uh, has certified coffees that can be recertified, um, it is in their interest to do that over the next two days. Now, we haven't seen any big volumes show up yet, actually, of uh, cert new certified or recertified coffees. Um, and so we kind of think that it is unlikely that we're going to see a huge volume show up in the last two days here. Now, it is possible that in the 11th hour, we do see a giant volume of, of certified coffees be submitted for recertification. That is totally possible. Um, now, why would someone do that? They would do that if they were bearish the market, right? So you could be a trader, you could have a bunch of futures sold, 
you could sell a bunch of features. And then right at the last minute, you could uh, submit a whole bunch of coffee to the exchange to be certified. And then everyone would see the pending volume jump by 100,000 bags or whatever. Um, and when that happens, everyone would become bearish because they'd say, oh, there's all this supply. Um, so it is possible that someone is going to do that. We don't really think that's likely because we haven't seen large amounts of, of research show up yet. Now, the way we can tell that their research is from where the pending volume appears, right? So you actually put this chart together for us, Igor. So do you want to tell us uh, what we're seeing here? And tell our listeners yeah. too, in case they can't actually see it uh, on the screen. Sure. So basically we have here uh, how the pending volume is being displayed by the, the ICE exchange. And what we can see here is that we have Antwerp, Brazil's, and Honduras coffees. And we tend to think that this might be resubmissions of coffees that were previously on the exchange because uh, during the, the wide drop in, in surge that we have to October, uh, much of these coffees were Antwerp Brazil's and Honduras uh, mm. in Antwerp. So the fact that they, these coffees are reappearing in Antwerp in the same location could be an indicative that these are actually resubmissions of these coffees. Now, if we take the whole pending volume there, it, which is to uh, 26,000 bags, uh, approximately 37% of that entire volume would be from resubmissions, whereas the, the rest of the volume would be uh, coffees that haven't been previously certified. Right. Um, and thank you for that, Igor. And that so it does suggest that there are some new coffees, right, in addition to these resources. Yeah. So people might ask then, uh, you know, so how are we getting the new certs onto the exchange if we're not getting research, right? Yeah. And um, that happens uh, because of a concept called tenderable parity. So let's take a step back here from certification and pending and talk about the function of the certified inventory. And the function of the certified inventory is to keep the futures market prices real, right? Or to keep the price of the futures market um, actually relating to the price of coffee. So what happens is that when you buy or sell a future on the exchange, um, it's just like buying a regular forward contract of coffee. So if you are Joe Schmo Roaster and you want to buy coffee from uh Miss Exporter here, uh, then you would call her up and you would make a contract and you say, okay, I agree to pay 150 cents per pound for your coffee to be delivered to me in March, right? And that is a regular contract for buying physical coffee. The futures contract is the same thing, except it's just standardized. So when you buy a March futures contract and pay 150 cents for it, you're buying functionally the same thing. You're saying, I want to buy coffee that is delivered to me in March uh, for 150 cents. Now, when that contract expires, when it gets to the expiration date, then that is when it is actually executed. And the seller of that future or the seller of the physical coffee, same thing, will have to deliver to you that actual coffee. When this is done using the futures market, then that uh, delivery is done with certified coffee. So the seller of the future must own certified coffee 
and then they can deliver it to you. They can say, okay, I'm going to fulfill this futures contract. So that's how this normally works. Now the certs uh, um, get onto the exchange. Uh, they become certified uh, by submitting to the exchange your coffee, and then it gets graded and uh, evaluated. And if it passes that uh, grading process, then it can actually uh, be certified and then it is eligible to be used to fulfill a futures contract, okay? So that's the function. Now, given that this is the function of the coffee, the question remains, uh, when is it economical? When is it viable to actually do this? To actually, why would you sell on the futures market when you could sell just out in the open market? When is it economical to do that? And that comes back to this idea of tenderable parity. So tenderable parity is the price uh, at which um, you can buy physical coffee and deliver it to the exchange at break even. That's the parity. So ideally, you want to make a bit of a profit, but certainly you're not going to go anywhere below uh, tenderable parity because then it would be unprofitable. So when physical prices, when the price for physical coffee is uh, um, cheaper than the futures market, and cheaper than the cost of shipping the coffee to the exchange and the handling charges and all the expenses, when you when you add all of those together, if it is cheaper than the futures market, then it is tenderable, then it is tenderable parity. So the question is now, in order to get new coffees on the exchange, we have to ask, is there have we reached tenderable parity for those coffees? In other words, have the price of the physical coffee for each of those origins gotten cheap enough that we can sell it on the futures market. And if we look at the prices of physical coffees here, and for those of you listening to the podcast, we're looking at charts of Brazil naturals and Central Americans and Colombians. And, and what do we see here on the screen, Igor? Basically, differentials have been declining for the, the past few months in both Centrals, Colombians, uh, Brazils. Exactly. And so if the price of all of these coffees falls sufficiently, then that we will reach tenderable parity. And so to your point on that chart, we looked on the last screen where we saw uh, Tanzanias and uh, PNGs being delivered. We have heard that it's possible that those coffees might have reached tenderable parity. Um, so that means that the physical prices of those origins is cheap enough that you can sell it on the futures market and it's profitable. And when that happens, then we will see large amounts of those coffees being certified. So going forward, looking at the trend here of these downward red arrows, right, uh, on our physical coffee prices, the trend is suggesting that in the future or in the near future, the price of these other coffees, the big origins like Colombia, Brazil, Honduras, all of these origins could reach the level where it becomes tenderable. And essentially that is when we'll see large influxes uh, to the certified inventory. And the fact that we are already seeing new pending coffee uh, suggests that this process is already happening, that the trend has shifted from one of a downtrend and consuming certified coffee to an uptrend uh, of getting new certified coffees. And so essentially the implication here for the futures market and the calendar spreads from reaching tenderable parity would be bearish. 
Yeah, exactly. So we haven't talked much about the calendar spreads yet, but the calendar spreads are inverted and bullish at this point. So the calendar spreads are the difference in prices between each of the different futures months, right? So if the nearby month, March, is more expensive than the next month, May, uh, and then July, these are the futures months, um, then the market is inverted, right? And those are our calendar spreads. And that's not the normal, uh, that's not the norm for the futures market. The futures market is usually in what's called backwardation, where the further out months are more expensive. And that has to do with the cost of carry. Um, and we have we have blogs on that on our website, if you're not familiar with it. Um, but basically, uh, the inversion is bullish and it is incentivizing uh, people to uh, uh, certify coffee because the futures months are uh, are higher. Um, when futures are expensive, that makes it easier to buy cheap physical coffee and sell it on the exchange, right? Because those futures months are high; they're expensive. Um, now, the in the the. The caveat here, the the complication I could we could say is that these high carry costs or these high uh, calendar spread costs have a, an effect, don't they, Igor? Yes, exactly. Uh, if you go to the next slide, we can see the spread curve there. You see that the front month is heavily inverted at uh, almost three cents right now. Uh, so basically, not only this incentivizes some uh, certification of coffees, it right. also disincentivizes carrying coffee in, especially in destinations, hmm. because the cost of carry uh, would be higher in an inverted market. And that's what we're seeing right now. And we think that this speaks to the fact that we have low stocks in destinations, such as the U.S. and uh, especially Europe right now. If you look at the next slide we'll see that the European stocks are very, very low right now. But not only we do have this, this incentive to be carrying coffee mm. uh, uh, in destinations, but in regards to the European stocks in particular, we we tend to think that the new anti-deforestation rule that the European Union has implemented back in June is also uh, disincentivizing uh, storage and selling at, at, at Europe. So you can see that uh, in the chart for those who are listening to the podcast, basically that rule came into effect. Uh, we have seen a wide uh, decrease in European stocks since then. Uh, mm. So we think that not only uh, there is this, uh, this incentive for high carry costs, but also non-compliant stocks might be uh, uh, blocking from being stored at the European Union, and this is causing the the stocks to decline. Uh, so even though that looks very bullish when we look at the chart, uh, that might not actually be the case since there's a there's this big impact from this rule here. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good point. You mentioned some 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 very interesting things here. Um, number one is the uh, carry costs, right? And normally the owner of a physical coffee uh, is going to have that hedged. So the, all of the importers in Europe that, uh, and the U.S. that own physical coffee in warehouses, they have that hedged in the futures market. 
And normally in a normal uh, contango market, um, uh, then uh, or a carry market, the calendar spreads actually um, pay a benefit to hedgers. So this is a little bit um, esoteric if you're not in the industry, but again, you can look on our website and learn about contango and backwardation and all these different things. But essentially you could take our word for it that if you own physical coffee and that is hedged with a short future, in a typical market, that is gonna pay you money, that you're gonna receive a cash benefit um, by holding your coffee hedged with futures. In a backwardated market or an inverted market, which is what we have now, instead of receiving money for having hedged futures, it actually costs you money to have hedged futures. So this is what we think is a major reason that is disincentivizing importers and roasters from holding large amounts of coffee in destination in countries like the US, uh, Canada, uh, Japan, and uh, in the European Union. So that is one reason that we are seeing uh, a decline in uh, visible destination inventories. It's not because of shortage of coffee, uh, or not necessarily because of a shortage of coffee. It's because it has gotten more expensive to hold that coffee. The other point that you pointed out is the anti-deforestation rule. So that's also uh, potentially something that is um, uh, causing a, a negative impact in destination stocks in Europe. And unfortunately, we don't have the GCA stocks anymore, so we don't know what's happening in the U.S. Uh, inventories. But talking to warehouse um, managers uh, and traders, um, it sounds like uh, they are unhappy with inventory levels, meaning that they are low. So it sounds like they're also low in the U.S. Uh, at this point, um, but we won't know for sure uh, until we can get some new data um, to replace the GCA stocks. So all of this has led to a downgrade or a lowering of destination stocks in the U.S. and Japan and in Europe. But uh, there is one other stock group that we haven't talked about yet, right? Uh, which is origin stocks. Um, so what we believe is that we think there's actually a relatively good supply of coffee right now, but that that coffee is sitting in origin. It's sitting in the countries that produced it, right? Yes, exactly. And to our point here, we can use uh, the Colombia inventories that are displayed by the FNC. Mm. Uh, they they exemplify that pretty well because Colombia is coming from a uh, 10-year low in production. And even so, stocks are actually closer to five-year highs rather than average levels or five-year lows, what would have been expected in, in a scenario like this of, right. of low production. So uh, that adds to the point that we might be seeing uh, not only weaker demand of Arabica coffees, but also a disincentive to be carrying coffee and storing coffee at destinations. Uh, a counterpoint to that would be the Brazil stocks. Uh, we, we actually have lower visibility on those, but recently the USDA has issued their estimates and they see slightly lower stocks uh, this coffee year compared to the previous uh, year, which was a lower crop. So we would expect stocks to be higher. Right. 
Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's an interesting counterpoint. And um, the, the nuance here is we don't really know how the USDA is calculating their stocks. There's two ways of telling stocks in origin, um, either by doing what's called a stock check, which means you're literally sending people out to the different warehouses and counting the coffee that's in the warehouses, or you can do a calculation. Um, and if you do a calculation, that means you see how much coffee was produced. You look at how much coffee was exported, how much coffee was consumed locally, and you subtract that from how much was produced. And that is what's left over is your, your stock, basically, right? So you take your previous year's stock and you add in the difference between what was produced and what was exported and consumed, right? Now, if the USDA is using a calculation to say that their stock is lower, then we can uh, question the results because uh, it could mean that the USDA just has a production number that's too low. And remember now that production is not a known number. Um, there is a wide variety of estimates out there for what the Brazil production actually was for 23-24. This is the crop that's already been harvested and still we don't actually know how much coffee there was produced, right? Because it's done all throughout many small producers throughout the entire very large country of Brazil. Um, and then some of that coffee is sitting on the farm. Some of that coffee is sitting uh, in warehouses. Some of that coffee is sitting with exporters and some of them is sitting with local traders. So it's in all of these varied sources and there is no uh, full tally uh, of what exactly was produced this year. Now, we actually think that uh, when we look at the uh, USDA production numbers, they look a little small from our perspective, right? Um, we actually did a survey this year. Um, Igor, you you did the survey. You conducted a good portion of this survey. Um, and uh, our conclusion was that the 23-24 crop, this crop that was just harvested, was actually... Uh, bigger than most people were thinking and certainly bigger than the USDA has uh, on their numbers. So by that logic, the USDA says, hey, there's a small decrease in inventory, but they're using a production number that's too small. They can see what the exports are. That number is constant, but the production number can change. So if the USDA's production number is actually too small and it should be, say, two or three million bags higher, then that means that the inventory is actually increasing and not decreasing. And this is what we believe is actually the case because if you look at differentials here, Brazil differentials are down and they have been uh, in a general decline over the last few months. So this is not showing us, this is not indicating a, a big shortage of coffee at the moment. All right. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, well, to your ahead. point there, uh, and that's true, uh, prices don't get cheaper in a shortage of coffee, and they have been trending lower for the previous few months. So I think that adds to the point. And we we have also been hearing about stock increases in origins, but not mm -hmm. in destinations. So this is harder to, to verify. So uh, this is more of a rumor but that would be uh, adding to that point as well. Uh, so we also have 
just to close here, we also have the Brazil exports there. Mm. Uh, so basically, Brazil exports have been increasing. And we think that farmers are taking advantage of the high prices to do their selling. And we're now actually matching the figures from October, which was already an above average month of exports there. So we think this this trend will continue uh, of higher exports. And, and that also reflects a higher crop in Brazil that was just harvested. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, the exports don't necessarily indicate that the crop is bigger, but it is a good sign that the crop was bigger, um, especially when we see uh, differentials weaker uh, and the futures price has been higher to draw out those exports. So I think all of this does support our idea that the Brazil crop is bigger than, than people were thinking. Um, so I think to conclude here, we just have to ask uh, what's going to happen in 2024, right? Uh, yep. What's and, and, and that's something that, that uh, we do uh, provide. Uh, uh, we do provide research and analysis for our clients on this. And we've been, been telling them uh, for a while our view on, on, on how coffee futures prices are going to evolve and how they're going to change. Um, but I think based on what we've been looking at here, if we do see those pending stocks increase and therefore we see the certified inventory increase, that is generally bearish. So if the trend is shifting from one of low stocks to a situation of high stocks, or at least higher than they have been inventory levels, then that is generally bearish, both for the futures market uh, and also for the calendar spreads. And if those calendar spreads come down, uh, then it's possible we could see the destination inventories start to increase. We're not sure. It might not, especially if this uh, anti-deforestation rule um, makes it prohibitive to, to import more coffees to Europe. Uh, we'll have to see. But that's our, our general view right now. So I think that's uh, what the heck is going on in coffee now, Igor. All right. So, Ryan, thanks for that. And we we see you in the next episode. Yes, hopefully in and, a few uh, weeks. If you, if you are interested in getting uh, research, you can visit our website, coffeetradingacademy.com. Uh, we also have a course for coffee traders coming up in January. So uh, make sure to check that out and uh, sign up for it. And we look forward to seeing you all on our next episode of What the Heck is Going On in Coffee. Thank you for joining our Coffee Trading Academy podcast. Check out the website and subscribe to receive our free and premium coffee market reports. That's www.coffeetradingacademy.com. Again, coffeetradingacademy.com. Good luck with your trading, everyone. This is Ryan Delaney, your Coffee Price Chris Ninja here, signing off.